If you live in the South Metro area and have been looking for top-notch customer service, extensive beer, wine, and spirit selections, and unbeatable prices, look no further than Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. You won't find a more varied inventory anywhere else. Don't just take it from me, guys. This is Michael, and he's been shopping at Davidson's since they opened. The thing I like about Davidson's versus the competitors, it has a larger selection. And if I am going to buy Spirit, then Davidson's is usually my first choice as well because just of the size of the selection. I also like the extensive selection of some hard-to-find items. But that's not all. Every department is staffed with highly trained specialists who can help you find exactly what you're looking for. I've always found the folks that you chat with to be knowledgeable. I've chatted with the spirit staff about different bourbons and different vodkas, and I am always chatting with the wine staff about different things and saying, I like this, what else do you have that's similar? Particularly when I go to non-US wines, I find them extremely helpful and helping me find something I'm looking for. What are you waiting for? Head to either of their locations in Centennial or Highlands Ranch and follow them on Facebook to stay up to date on their latest specials. And go in the air, deep right center go. field. Two-run home run, Trevor Story. Way back, Myers, watch it go Chuck Nasty. Two-run home run, David Dahl. Nolan drives this high in the air, deep left field. Take a good look, you won't see it for long. I don't want to lose your love Welcome in to the DNVR Rockies podcast presented by The Green Solution. You can visit any one of their 17 Colorado locations or go online to mygreensolution.com. Whatever you do, use that promo code DNVR20 to get 20% off your entire purchase. Let's jump into the show. I'm your host, Drew Creaseman, the managing editor of DNVR Rockies. And on this episode, I'm going to be taking questions Hopefully, mostly not about Nolan Arenado. Uh, I, I've tried to <laughs> put it out there that I'd prefer if we could get into some other topics, but I do also understand our <clears throat> everyone's talking about this one topic. Uh, of course, Cade, our, our good friend Cade Walker, had to give me some gruff because he shows up to a thing where I said, I don't want to talk about Nolan Arenado. And of course, the first words he hears are Arenado and, and Osaka Buffalo comes in saying, no Arenado questions, I promise, but can we please get a catcher not named Butera? So let's start there. Uh, This is the one move, and actually let me combine this uh, with uh, a question asked here by Gingrich David on the Periscope, who says, are you surprised the Rockies have not made more moves in free agency? Only in this Area As the offseason has kind of unfolded, it became pretty clear to me early on that the Rockies weren't going to be doing much, but from, you know, whatever I can do to put my ear to the ground, uh, have been hearing that they've been interested, and even some of their public comments, on some of these catchers. And I 
I don't know if I thought they would have gotten one by now, but I do think that it's still in the plan for them to go out and get a catcher not named Butera. Uh, whether or not that's going to be somebody at this point who will split time evenly with Tony Wolters, who will take the lion's share of the duties, or who will come in to be more of a veteran backup type of guy. You know, that remains to be seen, but I do think that's the one move, and I do, at, at this point now, believe that it's going to be just one more move in terms of affecting the 40-man roster. I, I do think there's going to be a slew of guys they bring in for spring training on minor league deals, you know, veterans who are looking to see what they've got le left, and there will be some interesting names in there, to be sure, but I think there's going to be one final move here, and it'll be a Martin Maldonado or a Jonathan Lucroy or a Russell Martin uh, type of pitch, uh, catcher, excuse me. And E-Man093 wants to know who is in the starting rotation at this point for the Rockies. The way I see it, it's, you know, you've got Gray Marquez and Freeland. You're not worried about them. That's who's going to be there uh, in your top three. And the way I've got it, oh, I dropped my camera. Sorry about that, Periscope people. Uh, the way I have got them power ranked at the particular, as we sit here today, is um, Antonio Sensatella in fourth, holding on to the fourth rotation spot, and kind of a, a battle between Peter Lambert, who I think right now has probably got the spot to lose, but it's it's really it's going to be open-ended for that fifth rotation spot between Peter Lambert Jeff Hoffman, Chichi Gonzalez, and Tim Melville. And I really do think that it'll be whoever has the best spring training, or, or maybe not from a number standpoint, but certainly the most promising spring training um, in terms of what it looks like they're going to produce. And and so, yeah, those, those are the guys I see as uh, the starting rotation, assuming there aren't any more moves made between uh, now and then. Sam wants to know, says off the topic of Nolan. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Do you think Blackman could have a 100-plus RBI season this season? Uh, I do. I One of the things that I think has been a little bit lost in Charlie Blackman's move to right field and how legitimately ugly and bad his defense was is the fact that the guy still absolutely raked. In fact, this last year... When he, what was it, June? I'm trying to remember the exact month. He, he had probably the best hitting month that the Rockies have had since they got rid of the humidor in 2004, or since they added, excuse me, got rid of. I don't know where my brain went on that one. But since they added the humidor in 2004, Charlie Blackman is still one of the absolute best hitters in the game of baseball, I don't see it slowing down for a couple of reasons. One, he just takes extreme care of his body, and a lot of his hitting success comes from his mental approach as much as anything else. And two, there is, there's been less wear and tear on his body. Having been moved over to right field, that was always a part of the equation there. And the theory was, you know, let's get a little bit more out of his bat. Let's try to make sure that this can continue. So while, you know, I, I don't see him flipping it around and becoming a major asset on defense anytime soon. Yeah, I think 
you know, Charlie's ability to have a hundred RBI season is going to come largely from one, where does he hit in the lineup? And I do think he's probably going to hit more in the middle of the order this next year as guys like Dahl and Tapia try to usurp the leadoff spot. So that will help him get more RBI. And then it's going to be, you know, are those guys on base? And I think they will be. And so uh, I think it's going to be a pretty great dynamic for Blackman in terms of offensive production. In fact, I could see him having even another, maybe not a career year, because if you'll remember a couple of years ago, he basically had the best leadoff season in the history of Major League Baseball. But I could see him putting up another season kind of in that realm. Uh, Ken Gold wants to know, would I trade Rodgers and others for Wilson Contreras? Some think the, the Cubs are dangling him. This one's that's that's tricky. I I would be very aggressive if you know the Cubs, if I'm the GM of the Rockies and the and the Cubs call me and say, hey, we're to use your word here, we're dangling Contreras. You know, I wouldn't want to go straight to the top prospect in the system. Probably, uh, I, I, I'm in the camp that still thinks Rogers has a lot of value, and right now. With the injury, you'd be trading him at probably his lowest value ever. And, you know, so I don't want to do that. I don't want to deal somebody who I still think has the potential to be an all-star from a position of disadvantage to solve a current need. But I would consider it. That's how good Contreras is. And that's how favorable his, I, I believe he's got at least two more years on a very reasonable contract that the Rockies could financially absorb. He's a great hitter. He's a great catcher. Uh, The Rockies do have other middle infielders. I would be more inclined to heavily shop the next tier of prospects if if I'm the Rockies. But if that's not good at getting it done, yes, I would would consider that. Um, Where in the past... You know, I've been very reluctant to consider any kind of trade of Brendan Rodgers, even for JT Real Muto, who is, frankly, the the better catcher in many ways. But things change and, and, and things emerge. And so, yeah, I, I mean, I like I said, I'd be trying to move more like the, the Welker types than Rodgers for him. Uh, and I also think that you can wait a little bit. Uh, you, you know, uh, some other team might sweep in there and trade for him too, but the Cubs may become a little bit more desperate to move him and and sort of back off of, we need your top prospect, and okay, we'll take a package of pretty good ones. But another thing that's tricky is I also don't think the Rockies should ever really be in the business of trading away their pitching prospects, however people think of them, uh, whether they're especially highly rated or not. Uh, I, I just don't think the Rockies should be in the business of moving out the Peter Lamberts and the Ryan Castellanis and the Ryan Rollisons, uh, when those are the only types of pitchers who've come up and really provided good production for the major league team, guys, they've grown themselves. Uh, I, I do think that they need to be really, really careful about ever including pitchers in those kinds of deals. And if anything, if you're swinging trades on any other end, <coughs> excuse me, like we've talked about Blackman and his big contract, you're trying to get pitching back in. You need to replenish your young pitching. You can't be moving it out. But if you can move position player prospects to get either pitching or catching, 
y yeah, you, you consider it very, very strongly. There's an interesting one. I, I've been asked about this a couple of times. Uh, Mitchell's saying, could you see us going after Corey Dickerson and using Tapia as a fourth outfielder? Uh, that seems unlikely to me, uh, a, a reunion with Dickerson, though the organization has, has always liked him. There's no um, bad blood there. It's not like a, uh, like a Jordan Lyles or a Drew Pomeran situation where you're going, no way that guy comes back. Like, I think Dickerson would be happy to come back to Colorado. And I think the Rockies, you know, generally speaking, would be happy to have him. Um, that would depend, I think, on their read about whether or not he's really gotten much better defensively or if that's all kind of smoke and mirrors. I think it's kind of smoke and mirrors in terms of his defensive numbers uh and he can't throw like he's really got no throwing arm and I talked about this a lot when Dickerson was here and left and was ultimately replaced by Gerardo Parra despite the fact that Dickie is the far better hitter just with how big the Rockies outfield is and how difficult it is on their pitchers they need the defense more than they need the tiny little extra bit of offense that you're going to get of Dickerson over, you know, at this point, Tapia or Hilliard. So I just don't think it's quite the right fit. Now, if he doesn't get a deal, if he's out there and can be had for, you know, really close to the minimum, if it's one or two million bucks to bring back Corey Dickerson, and, you know, now you've got this guy who you feel very confident in his bat, see how often you can play him out there. If they were an American League team, you could absolutely do something like that. Uh, but I, I find it unlikely. I think they're just far more intrigued by the defensive potential of guys like Tapia, Hilliard, and Hampson with Dahl in center or any of those guys in center. They've got to cover that ground. They've got to do it better. They can't take another step backward defensively in the outfield, and, and you'd be doing that with, with Corey Dickerson. But it's not an uninteresting idea, that's for sure. Uh, KJ wants to know, as it stands now, how likely do you think the Rockies don't trade Nolan and lock up Trevor? There will be some play payroll flexibility after next season with Davis, Shaw, and McGee coming off the books. Do you use that money to secure one of the best shortstops in the game or reinvest in the bullpen? I, I think you do the first, and I, and I think that that's very possible for the Rockies. This is one of the things like... I think people get a little bit loose with the math and the general idea that the Rockies have a pretty bad financial crunch, which they do, but that doesn't mean that it's going to last forever. As you pointed out here, there's a lot of different ways that this can go. I do think that there's an opportunity to extend Trevor's story and keep Nolan and keep Charlie Blackman and not have it be basically by reappropriating the money that you've just shown us here. And if you're going to do that, then the Rockies have to build their entire pitching staff basically out of cheaper homegrown guys. And since that's the only thing that's worked for them anyway, I don't think this is outside the realm of, the, of possibility that Story gets uh, a contract similar to Charlie Blackman's, uh, maybe a little bit more than that. And you know, gets locked up here for a little while because the Rockies will have the financial flexibility to do that. They don't have it right now, but they'll have it in 2022 and, and so on. So 
I, I think that that's actually a strong possibility. I know the Rockies have been kind of trying to get this story extension done for a while. You can criticize the team for a lot of things in terms of their transactions uh, very fairly, but an unwillingness to give large and fair contracts to their own great players is not one. I, I get that they let DJ LeMayhew walk, but that was more about having Ryan McMahon and Brendan Rodgers and Garrett Hampson in the fold. Uh, that's not really the case here with Trevor Story. So I think history will hold true and they will pay the big money to their guy who they love and, and they'll figure out a way to extend Trevor Story. Now, whether or not that's a good thing or a bad thing for the team's financial flexibility going into the mid-2020s with that much of your payroll being taken up by Arenado, Blackman, and Story, that could be problematic for the team, but it can absolutely be done. And I do think that they're working toward trying to do it. Uh, flame your homie wants to know what makes the Rockies feel better about the disaster that our bullpen has been going into 2020. I, I think a lot of things actually make them feel better. One is that they've changed their closer and Wade Davis isn't their closer anymore. And now he is just kind of a wild card. You, he may not pitch a single high leverage inning all season in 2020, or he could get it back a little bit and find his way back toward the kind of dominance he's pitched at for nearly a decade. But I think most of it's just tied up in the young guys. I've talked a lot about them. I just did a big profile on Carlos Estevez, uh, Jairo Diaz, Scott Oberg, these guys who are coming into their physical primes, but also their mental primes, really figuring it out at the big league level. Uh, I think it's really all about role management and handing the ball to the right guys at the right times. It's no longer going to be the case that just because of their resumes and maybe to some degree their contracts, the veterans are just going to get to pitch. That's not, you know, it, I I full, fully believe that the Rockies waited way too long to make this change, but they did make the change. They should have handed the bullpen over to the young guys about a month and a half before they did in 2019. And it really stabilized once they did this. Once Davis was no longer the closer, Diaz was setting up and then Diaz was closing. It, they were, and it didn't matter because the rest of the team was a mess and the season was done by then. But it is still the case that these young relievers uh, have been much better. And so I think that that, I, I think that's whether or not you believe they're going to continue to be good, whether you feel confident in Estevez and Diaz or not, I do think that's a reasonable position to hold. Also, uh, I'm working on an article right now about lefty James Pazos, who I think could be a major, major factor in all of this because they finally have somebody other than Jake McGee uh, from a left-handed standpoint to, to hand the ball to. But we'll see, you know, obviously... Uh, we're going to have to find out. Also, uh, a couple of these young guys that they brought in, I think are going to be interesting factors as well. I do think Jose Mujica and Tyler Kinley are going to end up being impact players. However, not key players, but they're going to make an impact on the team. So it's going to be funny. We're going to look back at this offseason. They didn't do a single thing. And one of those two guys, I bet you, will pitch 40 innings, at least for the Rockies, and, and pick up some important ones. My money is on Mujica. I, I think Jose Mujica's got a really interesting profile. Um. 
Shawire, I'm going with, one, uh, says, if they keep Rodgers, they could slide McMahon to first base in 2021 and make him play second. Absolutely. See, and that's the thing is like, you've, you've got such a great natural spot for Rodgers, uh, especially once Daniel Murphy moves on and it's lining up timing wise. So I'd really, to, to address other moves, rather move a different, uh, I'm sorry, other positions, rather move a different prospect. Uh, I do want to take a brief moment here to remind everybody about the Cannabis Cup winning products over at Mile High Green Cross. They're giving the DNVR family $5 off of your purchase of $25 or more right now. So just mention this ad and they will hook you up. They've got a variety of CBD products from edibles to concentrates to cartridges. They pride themselves on their customer service and it shows. Every single time you pop in, you will receive one-on-one -on -one attention with one of their seasoned sales associates. Not to mention they have everyday low prices on in-house products such as $99 pre-pack ounces and V3 hash oil bulk deals. $5 cartridges for $100. Mile High Green, did I say 500? I have five cartridges. I think I, let me make sure I said that correctly. Uh, Mile High Green Cross offers out-the-door pricing. What they advertise is what you pay. And if you don't have cash, it's not a problem because they except hyper. They'll get you in and out in nine minutes on average, which is super important for us. They're convenient, they're informative, they're speedy. So head downtown today, check out Mile High Green Cross, conveniently located on 9th and Broadway. They also offer parking in the back. Just remember to mention this ad to get $5 off your purchase of $25 or more. Let's hop back into it. Brent Boy wants to know, Hilliard had a 1,000 OPS and a relatively large 27-game sample size last year. I'm excited about him, and Cade Walker wants to say, how soon does Hilliard see every day playing time? Um, you know, let me pump the brakes on the sample size just a little bit. 27 games is not nothing. You're right. It, it's, it's relatively large in some way. It's relatively small if you look at it in another. It, it also did come in the final month of the season when... Now, now, there's a little bit... Of, the Rockies actually played a, a decent number of teams who were in it. So, a lot of times here, if you're a September call-up, the Rockies are out of it, other teams are out of it, you can't really measure much because he's facing, you know, guys who are just pitching out the season. The, the other team's version of Tim Melville uh, and Rico Garcia. Now, that was not really the case with Hilliard. Of course, his most memorable moment was taking the Milwaukee Brewers from a division-winning team to a wild-card team in a game they really wanted to win and hitting a home run with two outs in the bottom of the ninth to tie up the game. I've said this on a previous podcast, and, I, and I'll repeat it again here, because I could see that having been a flash in the pan, a nice month that got everybody really excited, but he's... Schweier, he took Cindergard deep twice. He got Hater left on left. I believe that was the, the game-tying one I'm talking about. I could see Hilliard showing up to spring training, striking out too much, not quite looking as world-storming and eye-popping as he did to finish the season, and him beginning the year in AAA because the Rockies do actually have a decent amount of depth in the outfield, right? The Rockies do want to see what they've got in Raimel Tapia 
and Garrett Hampson, but I could see it going completely the other way. I could see a scenario where Sam Hilliard shows up to spring training, and not only is he not taking any steps back, it looks like he's taking that next step forward. And he is your opening day starting left fielder and never lets go of that spot. And hits 20 home runs and steals 20 bases and strikes out 250 times. But also has a decent walk rate, plays fantastic defense. I could see him for health purposes taking over for Dahl in center field and allowing Dahl to go back over to left. And Schweier, you know, is asking here with Dahl's injury history, do I see him playing 100 games? I can't, you know, I can't predict stuff like that specifically, obviously, but David Dahl's injuries, I will say this, and it remains the true, as much as they pop up a lot and you can't deny it, none of them have been related. None of them have lingered. Right? He doesn't still have hammy problems from that in the minors. The spleen thing doesn't affect him anymore. He hasn't lost a step with some of these foot issues that he's had. We'll see how he looks showing up to spring training, but they've all been so fluky that it's still tough for me to say the guy's injury prone. It's not like Tulo, who had like a degenerative hip thing, and it was the same thing that kept taking him out of games. Um, but I do think that so I don't think that David Dahl, for example, if he has to play 120 games in center field next year, I don't think he's going to wear down over the course of the year because his body can't handle it or anything like that. That's not what happens to Dahl. He doesn't break down because he doesn't have the endurance to last the season. He tries to catch a ball sprinting one direction. It takes a dive. He stops and turns and he completely rolls over his ankle in a freak way. Um, or or he fouls the ball off of himself. Or he gets spiked sliding into second base. These, these So it's not the sort of natural result of just playing baseball for a long time. So I think he's fine as long as nothing freaky happens. I'd put him in center field and let him go until whatever happens, happens, and you address it at that point if it should ever occur. But... If David Dahl plays 150 games for the Rockies in center field next year, that's the best case scenario. He's going to play like an all-star. People are going to see that his defense is there too. <laughs> Will reminding me, gold glove winner, Corey Dickerson. I know. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I, I There's a lot of potential out there. It's kind of like what I was saying in the bullpen earlier you know, the Rockies were in a spot last year where they had experienced success two years in a row. They were going to continue to go with what they thought was working with sort of the safer floor options, which meant playing veterans in all the spots they'd been playing them before. And that completely fell apart, right? It completely fell apart. And by the end of the season, they changed that mantra. If they go into 2020 and say, we've got to be open and flexible. And I was actually very encouraged when Jeff Breidich said this at winter meetings. He said, we're actually okay with center field being a timeshare situation. I said, finally, you guys should always have center field is a beast. I almost used a word I decided not to use. <laughs> center field is... 
absolute hell on Rockies players. They should be open to not having to have one guy as their quote-unquote center fielder. And with three or four young guys who are super athletic, all have above-average speed, Hilliard, Dahl, Tapia, Hampson, that's four guys with, you know, if if you're in MLB The Show, they've all got 80 speed and up. Good defensive capabilities and potential. Good athleticism. See who figures it out among them. And then you can ride the hot hand on offense. So the Rockies have personnel to get a great deal of production out of their outfield. The question is, are they going to be smart enough to play them properly? Are they going to be flexible enough so that if... Hilliard has a super hot spring training and Tapia starts out slow. They they just ride Hilliard until it doesn't work and see what happens with Tapia or go the other way. You know, if, if Hilliard comes out and he's not doing so great in spring training, but Tapia and Hampson are having the patience to say, you looked great at the end of the year and fans are clamoring for you and you've got the big pop, but we're going to start Hilliard and AAA. We're going to roll with Tap and Hampson. Whatever it may be, you've got to be able to just kind of roll with it and not get too locked into one track. And I think that's really screwed up the Rockies in the last couple of years, getting too attached to one specific track. And I think they're going to need to be more flexible. And if they do that, then yeah, there's a lot of potential here. I wanted to read this question too, because this plays into this a little bit. Dari wanted to know, she was listening to the last podcast about the outfield and said, I was surprised that there was no mention of Daza. Is there a chance the Rockies are going to part ways with him like they did Cuevas? I feel with a little polishing, he could be something for us, even if it's a defensive replacement toward the later innings, sort of like what Jake Marisnik was for the Astros in the past. I think this is super fascinating, especially with the 26th roster spot. I don't know how the Rockies are going to use it. I'm, I, I've heard the notion that, you know, now they can afford more than they ever could in the past to carry a one-dimensional player. And when we think of one-dimensional players in baseball, we tend to think of big slugging hitters, a Jason Giambi type. And I wouldn't mind seeing the Rockies throw somebody on the bench who's just there to pinch hit in the biggest moment of any given game. And that's that guy's job. But I like the idea of carrying somebody like Daza, whom, quite frankly, I don't think is going to figure it out with the bat. I've liked Jonathan Daza for a long time. I, he's one of those guys I've followed since he first came to the United States. Um, and the defensive profile is just stupendous. He's absolutely brilliant in the outfield. Uh, again, all the stuff is there, the speed, the athleticism, the arm. He's the best defender right now of the group, of all the people whose names I've said today on this podcast. Daza is the best defender right now. You can't hit. I don't think he's going to hit. I really don't think he's going to hit for power. If he can figure out a way to make some contact, he could turn into a slappy average guy, but that's going to limit your value in the modern game. But as somebody who could allow them to rest Dahl here or there or Blackman, here or there, as Dari points out, 
later in the you know in games if you've got a lead someone to go catch the ball for those relievers i i think it's an interesting idea i think it's more likely something that will happen you know if there are some injuries but i don't think he's going to be moved off the roster i think they're keeping him around for precisely this reason they know uh they know his defense is good they know there's at least a floor there that if somebody gets hurt they can bring up daza they can throw him in center field they can have him bat eighth and they're not going to get anything out of him offensively but at the very least you know he'll provide them that that value where i think cuevas just didn't have that so until somebody really emerges to replace him in any way i think daza will continue to be that guy uh, and in a defensive insurance policy for these other players but i i could see especially if we can figure out how to just make some contact here and there them doing something like this having him play that marisnik role as dari mentions because as I've said many, many times, defense in the outfield is extraordinarily important for the Colorado Rockies. Saka Buffalo says, on a lighter note, can we get some DNVR hoodies? Maybe even Rockies related. Yeah, the hoodie thing, um, I've, I've inquired about this a number of times. because I like hoodies a lot, and apparently they're just really expensive to make, and then so we have to charge you a whole lot, and then you know we, we, we can barely make anything on them, and they're not as popular as I thought they would be. It seems like the hockey ones did well. But, uh, you know, if there's enough demand, we'll get D-Line Co. to make anything. If enough people write in and say, hey, we need Rockies hoodies, we'll get Rockies hoodies. So remember that. Like, just to throw this out there, remember, we, we want to be accessible to you. Anytime you've got an idea about something we could do better or just more of or whatever you want at DNVR, let us know. Hit up our help desk if you send an email to like help at the dnvr.com um, and just say, hey, just so you guys know, I'd really love to buy a Rockies hoodie if that ever comes out. Enough people do that. We'll make them. I promise you that. And, and you know, it's kind of the same thing. You know, hats, whatever you think we should be doing, let us know. And I'll, I'll send that on up the food chain. My guy Matt wants to know, how do you feel about Rymac as the starting first baseman and Hampson or a healthy Rogers starting at second? I am in favor of it. I would do that. Of course, uh, one of the biggest problems here is that you've got Daniel Murphy. And I, I here's, here's we'll have the Daniel Murphy. In fact, maybe that's the next, I was going to do this. I don't know if I should subject you guys to these back-to-back the next individual player career I was going to do a retrospective on was Brian Shaw. Uh, but Daniel Murphy was also in consideration because I need to do some for guys who haven't had as positive a tenure in, in Colorado. Um, maybe I'll do both. Maybe you'll just have to survive those back to back. And Schweier, I agree. Uh, I should get Patrick Lyons on the pod more. He will be much, much more. Um, he still has a he, he's got himself a day job, a, a very important one, teaching the future brilliant minds of America. Uh, but uh, I, that, that that is being worked out. Um, and yes, anytime we can have more Patrick Lyons, it is a good thing. But generally speaking, Matt, yeah, I'm very in favor of McMahon at first. Uh, I do, though, think that Daniel Murphy is going to hit better. So spoiler for that career retrospective I'll be doing soon. Uh, I do think that if Daniel Murphy is in a Rockies uniform in 2020, which seems to be the most likely of scenarios, that he will be 
a better version of himself than what we saw last year. I don't think he's going to get better defensively, uh, but I think he's going to hit a lot better if he's out there. And so it's going to be difficult for the Rockies to just totally bench him or, or justify, you know, trading him uh, if he becomes what I think he will be, which is a fixture right there at the fifth spot in the batting order, kind of providing that protection for what I think is going to be Nolan Arenado and Charlie Blackman, or maybe the other way around. Um, he's going to provide the lineup. If you're into lineup protect, protection, and I am, and I, I think that's Daniel Murphy's best role on the team. Uh, again, I'd be trying to shop him and trade him if at all possible. But if he's there, he has to play. You have to see, because he's a guy who could very easily hit 315, 320, 330 with 20 to 25 home runs, and 40 to 50 doubles, especially if he doesn't have a broken thumb. And so, you know, I I get why it's tempting to just not even want to remember that Murphy is on the team, but I like I like I wouldn't be totally shocked if there's all-star conversation hanging around Murphy next year. If he's healthy and he just hits the way he's hit for most of his career. Again, people talk about outliers. Um Last year could not have been more of an outlier season for Daniel Murphy. Uh, he had career lows in literally every single category, despite hitting in the best offensive environment he's ever hit in. And I don't think that that is sustainable. That said, for defensive purposes, every time Ryan McMahon plays first ba- base, my uh, my heart sings a little song and does a little dance because <laughs> it's just ugly sometimes watching some of these other guys, uh, especially uh, Murphy. I, I like Hilliard. I like Fuentes at first, though. H- Hilliard hasn't played first base in quite some time, but he used to look pretty good over there. I'm going to keep going with these, but I've also got to remind everybody about our newest and my most favoriteest. I love all of our sponsors, but I have to say I've been a huge Bojo's guy for a long time. We just had our day after Christmas office party out at the Bojo's in Arvada. I love their pizza. Uh Putting honey on your crust is just a time-honored tradition in my house. So there's only one place you can get true Colorado mountain pie. It's your favorite locally owned, legendary, unbelievably delicious pizza joint. They are not lying. Bojo's, the Colorado mountain pie has become a staple, not only for natives, but for those who are just passing through and want to know where the best pizza in town is. Bojo's is the only answer. The dough is made fresh daily and contains locally sourced honey. You heard that right. They infuse their dough with natural sweetener, and it is to die for. It literally is to die for. (laughs) There's something for everyone at Bojo's. Large, delicious mountain pies for the entire family, a huge salad bar with fresh veggies galore, Colorado beer on tap, including your personal favorite Breck brews, and uh, your favorite sports teams will be playing in the background, especially if you don't have, if you're not getting them on TV right now. Bojo's has private party rooms for all of your holiday get-togethers or celebrations or birthdays, whatever kind of large gathering event. They've got $4 happy hours in select locations along with gluten-free and plant-based options. Nothing is more important to Bojo's than their community, which is why they're always happy to help you raise money for your fundraising cause, host your next fundraising event at any of their five front-range locations. They're also offering this holiday season special plant 
pint glass koozies that make a great stocking stuffer and also comes with a $5 gift card. So check them out on their site today at bojos.com. That's B-E-A-U-J-O-S.com and tell them who sent you. All right, let's get right back into uh, the questions here. Oh, those are not loading for some reason, so I'm going to take a look. Oh, here's... There's one Schweier says, Murphy hit three home runs at Coors. Again, that's not sustainable. Unless Daniel Murphy's just done, that to me is a very clear sign of a guy who was playing through a broken thumb, something they told us you know, many times and it just didn't get it. But he's not going to hit only three home runs at Coors Field next year. That I, I would find that highly unlikely. I'll, I'll put it that way. And Will mentions one-dimensional players, Willie Tavares. You know, yeah, Willie Tavares really couldn't hit much, but his extraordinary defense in center field that year for the Rockies was a big part of why they were able to eventually get to the World Series. So having players like that around, you know, even going down the line there, Spielborgs, Sully, love those guys. If they were sitting right here with me right now and say, look, it's not like you guys came in and used your bats to power that team. That's not what Spielborgs and Sullivan did to get the Rockies to the World Series. They played extraordinary defense in center field. It's very important for this club. No, Spilly and Sully couldn't hit any better than Jonathan Daza can. <laughs> but, you know... Oh, this is a great question here from Brent Boy. Seems like Walker Hall of Fame is trending up cautiously optimistic with a anxious emoji there. I'm worried. Uh, and I'll say this. I'm I, I uh, let me start with what you've said. I'm very encouraged by the public ballots. And the trend there is more positive than I thought it was going to be. And yes, there've been sometimes I've looked at the tracker and I've looked at what Thibodeau is putting out, and I've said, oh man, this, this might happen. But the private ballots, there are far more of those right now than there are of the public ballots. And the people who have been less inclined to publicly justify their voting methodology have also been people who tend to leave off Larry Walker. Last year, you know, he was sitting at a pretty solid percentage on public ballots, and then the private ones came in, and, and he dropped considerably. I still think he's going to fall just a little bit short. And I think it's going to have a very interesting chain reaction, especially if it's within five or six votes. And I think it's going to be especially with three people having voted for just Derek Jeter alone. Which, by the way, Derek Jeter still sits at 100%. So these three people, pragmatically, functionally, have done nothing other than vote against every other player on the ballot. Haven't really voted for Jeter in any special way, since it looks like he's going to be unanimous anyway. There's no special honor that comes from, hey, some people named only you. Like, that's not a 
that's not a thing. All of these, all that's happened is that three people have literally voted against every player on the ballot except for Derek Jeter. And that's pretty insulting. In fact, it's extremely insulting. But uh, no, until, uh, I just have to say, until they show me the final number, I'm going to be very pessimistic on Walker's chances to get in because I, it's the people who don't pay attention and don't want to justify themselves and don't really take the time who are going to file their ballots last minute. Now, I think it's, he still needs about 70 people to change their minds and vote for him who, who for nine straight years have not. And I sadly don't think that many of these people will consider the case, will look into it at all. I don't think they're swayed by his war or his OPS plus or his slash line or what managers or other people say about them. There, there has been for a very long time a feeling amongst some voters and some fans and some people that a Hall of Famer is just whoever feels like a Hall of Famer. I shouldn't have to have him justified. Did I know this guy was a Hall of Famer when he was playing? Of course, the problem with that is none of them were watching Rockies baseball. And this is, this is the doubling down of the unimportance of your team. They do not care about Rockies baseball. They would not bat an eye if it went away entirely. And because of that, they don't want to learn anything more about it. And so stuff like this happens. But what's interesting, so Matt, with a great follow-up question, wants to know how do I feel about Helton's chances at the Hall of Fame. Suddenly, I'm encouraged because he, now, again, we're talking about just the public ballots, but he's jumped up a huge amount in just his second year. Like Larry Walker in his second year was still sitting around like 12, maybe 15%, I think at the highest. And on public ballots right now, Helton's at 36 there are also a couple of what I consider to be, quite frankly, dumb personality concerns here. It, I'll, I'll say it this way. In speaking to people about this a lot, it seems to me there are also a number of writers who will not vote for Larry Walker because of who he is as a person. They don't like him. Has nothing to do with how he was as a baseball player, what he accomplished between the lines. They don't think he respected the game the right way. They don't think he loved baseball enough. They don't think he worked hard enough. Whatever it is, not completely non-baseball reasons. And that is frustrating, but it's also something that doesn't hang over Todd Helton. It's going to be really weird, but it seems to be now the most likely scenario that Walker, the player with pretty much across the board 
better numbers will not get in on the writer's ballot and Todd Helton will. And I used to think there's no way because the only thing that Helton really has going for him that Walker didn't was that he played his entire career for Colorado, which I thought only mattered like to me. But then there's this other interpersonal stuff that I forget about. People just like Todd Helton a little bit more for reasons I think are quite frankly, very silly. I don't know either of them especially well, but it was up to me just based on what I know a little bit and what I've heard about them. I would get along with Walker a lot better, <laughs> but th th there's a, a kind of pathos to this. Uh, and I do, and I'll say this, I do believe that Todd Helton belongs in the Hall of Fame. I think his numbers justify it. I do think the fact that he played his entire career in one place should, you know, that he's kind of the greatest Rocky who ever lived in terms of all of the statistical achievements and, and all of that stuff. And I do think his defense is underrated uh, and, and that the numbers don't capture that especially well. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's it's going to be really weird when Helton ends up getting in on his like seventh or eighth ballot, which is where the numbers suggest right now he's trending toward and Walker doesn't when Walker has all of the non-Coors field times when he was good in Montreal and St. Louis as well. Uh, he has just kind of by far the better war and OPS plus and all of those kinds of stuff. And so it'll be really, really funny to see if it ends up going that way. But I... This Walker thing is going to be close. It's going to be really close. And will a lot of people are going to be, I don't know that it's irrationally mad online at the clowns that only voted for Jeter. Um, I think it would be pretty rationally mad. That it's, what if he comes three votes short? What if Larry Walker literally was three yay votes? So that essentially all of these guys could have just not turned in ballots at all. These three guys, and he'd have gotten in. Just so they could give Derek Jeter an even extra special or honor that doesn't even exist, that they just made up. That's how important it is to... That's so frustrating and ass-backwards. But I think it's the clearest indication in a while at how gigantic of a hurdle we still have to overcome out here when it comes to national writers and how much extreme disrespect. It's not even disrespect. In order to, to disrespect the Rockies, they'd have to think about them a little bit more. It's a complete lack of respect at all to not even consider... Walker's case because you're so busy being in awe of Derek Jeter, who was a less good baseball player. Objectively. But then everyone turns around and wonders why the Rockies can't sign free agents and why people spend the entire offseason talking about Nolan Arenado. This is why. We still have much to overcome. But one way or another, this is going to be a huge moment. This Walker vote, one way or another, either he gets in and we can finally go see, good, we got one, you have to recognize us, we made the push, it, we, we did it. Or he doesn't get in and the rage machine flows.
and the understanding of what an oversight this is becomes so recognizable that that will begin to tear down the walls. There will be such a backlash that people will start to realize, wow, we cared more about Coors Field than we did about steroids or, you know, any of these other things. And as it turns out, he's just a really good ball player. Sometimes Colorado just has good baseball players, and it's okay. It's okay. It's okay that that happens. Thank you all for so many fantastic questions, most of them having nothing to do with Nolan Arenado. I really appreciate it. You all came through. Be sure to submit any further questions you have on Twitter at DNVR underscore Rockies at Drew Creaseman. Send them over to Patrick D. Lyons. Make sure that you're following us and subscribing on all kinds of social media and the podcast apps. Of course, subscribing to DNVR. Go over to the merch store. Check out some of the cool stuff we've got there. I'll ask about some hoodies for you all. Brent Boy, you are also my guy. So thank you very much. And uh, just because it came in here at the very end, Jameson, I will say, I think the Rockies will sign to play at catcher. Drum roll, please. Jonathan Lucroy. That is my guess at this point, is that that's what they will do. Uh, probably just before spring training starts. Uh, on that note, thank you all for hanging out. We will do this again. We're going to start, it's getting, you know, not too long to where we're going to have to start doing it every single day. So continue to bring the fantastic questions and I will continue to bring my mediocre answers. Thank you all for being absolutely awesome. I promise you I will continue to be absolutely Drew Creaseman. And until next time, I will see you at the ballpark. Diamond Club Baseball has produced elite athletes for 10 years now and is even trusted by your Colorado Rockies to run their scout team program. Diamond Club is based right here in Denver and their goal is to treat player development just like it's a minor league organization so that your child can be set up for the ultimate success. Everyone works together to make sure that everyone's getting the proper instruction that they need to help youth athletes grow and to become great ball players yet enjoy the game. That's why I have my son playing with Diamond Club because it's it's a great way to really show them they're, they're learning baseball the right way. That was Sean. As he mentioned, his son plays on a Diamond Club team. They offer multiple summer camps, private lessons, high school teams, and youth competitive teams. Plus, their prices are more affordable than their competition. Diamond Club has very fair price. You know, when you kind of pay and know that all fees for the tournaments, fields, uniforms, and instruction are taken care of as well as getting access to some of the things that other programs don't offer like entire team instruction and fitness programs you know the whole package to really make sure that a ball player ends up a well-rounded youth athlete believe us when we tell you that after experiencing the knowledge positive attitude work ethic and fun that their summer camps provide your child will want to play on one of their teams check out diamondclubbaseball.net today to learn more